Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. If you are listening to this right now, you're one of the lucky ones because it's not every day you get to hear from a young entrepreneur as badass as this one. He is the founder of Real Estate Redesigned, and this 22-year-old kid impressed me so much. I had to get him on GLE, and he was gracious enough to join me. Dominic Lee, welcome to GLE, my man. Brother, that was an intro that I don't think can ever be matched, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could come on, man. You're doing some cool things. We had one brief conversation with a couple friends, you yeah. know, and I could just, it's one of those things, you meet people, you hear something in their voice, the way they carry themselves. Yeah. You told me you were 22. I'm like, I was just blown away. Start off just telling our audience a little bit about your origin story. You know, how did Dominic Lee get to where he is today at, at 22 years old? Yeah, man. So story of Dominic Lee, story of Dominic Lee. I was always that kid that I would say try was just trying to figure it out, man. I really was. It's not that, you know, I was, I could get along with everybody. I love talking most of the time too much in class. I had some learning disabilities. I was always working through in school. School was just never my thing. Um, and then at an early age, so I was lucky enough to have parents that kind of gave me the support in anything I really wanted to do. So uh, my dad used to be an entrepreneur and then he got into the corporate world. So he was always like, when he saw an entrepreneur, he knew it, what it was. And so he kind of, I actually just learned this story about three weeks ago. And this was, oh, wow. and he said to me, he said, Dom, you know how I always knew you were going to be okay. And I said, what? And he goes, when you were about seven years old, you went out uh, and grabbed our six foot little card table and went out into the driveway. You, you took all of our lemonade in the fridge and you started selling lemonade on it. He goes, but what really impressed me, he's like, that's every, what every kid does. He goes, what really impressed me is you went to the neighbor's house and you went to the neighbor kids and you started leveraging the neighbor kids to sell more lemonade. And you had lemonade stands set up on each corner by the roads in our neighborhood so that we'd sell more lemonade. And then I took all the funds and I distributed it depending on how many cups of lemonade these kids sold. And this oh was, was like seven years old. And I found that funny because like, that was literally what I was just trying to do. I was always just trying to figure it out, dude. Like school wasn't my thing. I knew it wasn't my thing since I was a really young age. When I got where I would say like my pivotal point when I was a kid was probably at the age of 14. Um, I started getting randomly very, very interested in the real estate industry, which is the industry that I have most of my companies in right now. And um, started getting interested, started watching YouTube, found all these people, found some people that are obviously huge nowadays, like the Grant Cardone to the world, yada, yada, yada. Right. And I just started studying it, man. I was 14. I was, people called me weird because I would just study that stuff. And I would start studying these wealthy people because I really would. Like I would sit down and read things about Bill Gates or Warren Buffett and like how they create wealth. And I don't know why it just fascinated me. And it's something that I was interested in instead of algebra too. And so like 
I always struggled in school with that. I had some, you know, some bullying issues in school because of my learning disabilities that I worked through and stuff like that. And I would say just a mixture of all that stuff and then learning how to work hard at a young age. I've worked since I was 14 and eight months, which is the legal age in, in, Michi- in the state of Michigan. Um, I just kind of put me into the place that I am now where it's like, I just have kind of adopted the mindset that nobody's going to hand me anything in life, including my parents, including my family, including my fiance, anybody like that. Like I got to, I got to go earn it all. And so I've just been doing that since I was a young age, since I guess seven years old, according to my dad's story, he told me a little while ago. And uh, (laughs) it's just, that's just how I am, man. I love it. So when did real estate, real redesign come along? Real estate redesign. Oh man. So I have a business partner, love him to death, Scott Wheaton. He's a, he's a guy that would be great for this podcast as well. And he, uh, so how it happened is I joined the real estate industry. I was in college actually at a community college here locally doing my thing. Um, it's not that I was ever bad at school. I just couldn't find passion in it. And so I would just go through it. You know what I mean? I would just, I was that kid that would get B's and C's and wouldn't do the homework unless I had to, and would just do that kind of stuff. Dropped out of college. Uh, I had actually had an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur 101 class was in a tutoring session with this professor. Get this. I asked the professor, we were just in conversation. So what businesses or what business do you currently own? Or what did you used to own? Are you retired? Like, we're just trying to figure out his background, right? You know, starting conversation. He looks me dead in the eyes and goes, well, I've actually never owned a business and I don't currently own a business. I was blown away. I'm sitting in a tutoring class with this professor. I know I'm going down a rabbit hole there, but I had to tell that story because I was absolutely blown away. So I was like, what is going on? I was like, what in the world? And so I'm like, so then that night I was so frustrated. I was so sad. I was calling my parents like, mom, dad, I don't know what to do. This guy is teaching entrepreneurship. He's not an entrepreneur. Like, what is an entrepreneur? I don't know what to do with my life. And during that time credit, I was still studying real estate. And so then I was like, whatever. Parents talked me down and were like, you know what? It is what it is, Dom. Just do what you got to do. I start Googling that night. Couldn't sleep all night Googling. I didn't even know how, what to do to get into the real estate industry. All I knew is I wanted to own a bunch of property, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, how, what is who is at the head of a real estate transaction? Real estate agent Brock came up. I'm like, oh, well, I've heard of realtors, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we had a nice realtor when we moved to Michigan and, yeah. moved, you know, things like that. So start Googling it. Found out you only had to be 18 to be a realtor. This is when I was 18. I was like, you're kidding me. I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a realtor. You only got to be 18. You got to take this 40 hour licensing course. I can sell all the real estate. I get to know about the deals first and I can buy as much real estate as I want if I have the money to do so. And I love to talk to people. So I'm like, let's do this. Did the course. I uh, signed up for the course all by myself, really had no guidance. Unfortunately, I signed up for a class that actually wasn't registered with the state. That was a big uh uh-oh and a $250 mistake. Passed this course. And then they were like, "Uh, you don't get a certificate in the state of Michigan. It's like, that's not a registered course with us. So then I had to redo the class, Wow! <laughs> redid the class. And then <laughs> I passed the test on my first time. And then I was lost. And that's how the story of a real estate agent goes, because yeah. unfortunately, and this probably is the same thing around all industries. I mean, whatever industry you really want to talk about, it's probably this, especially if it involves a license. I had no idea how to be a realtor. I'm like, I just learned all the legal minutia of being a realtor. I learned what a purchase agreement was and what this was 
but I didn't know how to be a realtor. I didn't know how to get business. I thought I would join some broker and they would hand me business and that's what I would do. Right. If you're in the real estate industry and anybody listening in this industry is probably laughing because that's not the case, unfortunately. So um, I was like, what in the world? I was on a team because I joined a team and I knew them and it just wasn't a good fit. And then I found a mentor in the industry and he's like, no, 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 no. This is what you got to do. You, mm-hmm. you can accomplish this. And within two weeks, um, you know, within two weeks, my whole demeanor kind of changed and I figured it out. I was like, okay, because it made sense, right? I made yeah. this many calls or I talked to this many people and I could get these amount of sales because it just made sense. And so I hit the ground running. I went after it. Um, I started you know, calling people, talking to people, door knocking people, going to these events, holding these pop-up events, holding these open houses, doing everything I can do. I sold about 8 million in my first year after that, uh, which was pretty good. It got me off my feet, got some debt that I collected along the way during college and things like that. And I decided to move on on my own for no reason. I just did. And uh, that kind of happened. And then to answer your question, kind of the short story is when I was on that team, I joined this, my mentor's team. The, the meeting I went to go meet the rest of his team, I met another guy and he was a young guy, same exact age. Scott Wheaton's my same exact age, he's 22. I was like, who are you? And he's like, who are you? Well, I was like, well, wow. we both found out we were 19 at the at the time. Wow. And we just cl- we just hit it off, dude. It was like, it was, it was meant to be uh, when it came to a business relationship. And then I came to Scott and I was like, dude, why aren't we doing this? He's like, well, what do you mean? What are we what, doing? What? And I'm like, why aren't we mentoring agents and teaching them how to do what we're doing? We're both producing at the highest level in our area. Like how, why don't we help other people? Cause we both have a service heart. Right. And so we did, we started planning it. We planned it for about six months on the, on the other team. And then finally it just got to the point where it was like, we were being held back, not owning our own team and stuff like that. And we had so many people coming to us, asking us questions and yada, yada, yada. I had a passion. I grew a passion really quickly that like, I found love in mentoring people because I started mentoring people along the way. And I was like, Scott, let's just jump ship and let's do this thing. I don't care if we don't have enough money saved up to like, fully fund this thing. Let's do it. Let's hit the ground running. Let's see what happens. So we did that of June of last year, just over a year ago. And uh, real estate redesign was created because we are trying to redesign the real estate industry and mix technology and the younger age, I call it into the industry and kind of just change the way it goes right now. It's amazing, Dominic, dude. Like I want to go back because you've said a couple things that really stood out to me. One, school wasn't for you, which is like your stereotypical entrepreneur thing, right? The, the Gary V's of the world are always like, you know, it's just like school's not for everybody. Right. And like, what are, what was your struggle with learning disabilities like too? Cause it sounded like that was a kind of a, a yeah. big thing in your life early on. Yeah, dude, it was, it was tough. I'm not even going to try to front and put on a tough guy act or anything like that. It was really tough. I, yeah. there was, there were so many times I was so ADHD and so dyslexic, like it was not. And then I had a few other learning disabilities that like, I don't even really talk about because it just, those were my two major ones. Like it was bad. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't look at a board for more than five seconds. I could hardly even read my own name. And that is not a joke until like fourth grade. And then I had a teacher that I call my saving grades, Mrs. Smalley. 
And I think it was third or fourth grade. She kind of got a hold of me and she took me under her wing and was just like, we're going to do this. You can do this. They're not going to put you in a basic room is, is what they call it, which is a room for people, you know, with autism or down syndrome or just, you know, very severe uh, learning disabilities like that. And she's like, we're not going to let them do that. You're, you can do this. And to be completely honest, like we, we almost faked a couple things like just to get me through, you know? And so like, it was, it was tough. You know how kids are, dude. Some kids are mean and they don't even know how they're being mean. Oh yeah. yeah. I'd be called like, and I was chunky. I went through an elementary school. I went through a growth spurt of quite literally like a foot in like six months. And so like I was pounding food. I'm a little boy playing sports. (laughs) I got chunky. What can I say? And so I was getting called fat. I was getting called stupid, you know, retard, you know, all the worst things you could possibly like call somebody. And then I had my own insecurities. Right. And so like, it really hurt me, really put me down. And I had that stuff up until about eighth grade, I would say. Um, and I would say it added to my character one, because like now I just have the self-awareness that like how effective that some of that stuff can, can be to people. Right. All that. But not only that, but now I just have a chip on my shoulder where I'm like, I will never allow like me to be perceived as stupid again, or I will never allow like me to not be able to do something. If I feel like overwhelmed because I have to read through a contract that's, you know, 72 pages, like I just had to do the other day for a property I'm buying or something like that. Like I do it. And I find the challenge exciting now because I'm like, I went from like not even being able to read my name in second and third grade to like being able to do what I'm doing now. And so like, answer your question, dude, it was so challenging, but if you like find anybody that struggles through that, you got to find support just like in anything you got to find support and you have to not allow it to crumble you. Cause I, I'll admit like I, for a year, there was probably a year there that I don't even know what my parents knew, but like I was severely divorced or sorry, not divorced, depressed. And like, and uh, divorce, I don't know why that came through my head, but I was severely, severely It's because you just got engaged, man. Come on. <laughs> you think about that already? <laughs> I, I know you're not. I'm teasing. <laughs> I was depressed, depressed, like dark thoughts, man. Couldn't sleep, had night terrors, like just all. Yeah, these yeah, yeah. So it, so, sounds, it sounds like, you know, finding that person to really help kind of guide you was huge for you, man. And I think this is one area where many people can go wrong because they, you know, they got people in their life telling them things. It's, you know, it's friends at school. It's, it's just acquaintances. It's their family. You know, they might even love them and try to give them the best advice in the world. But one thing about like, like you had ADHD dyslexia, you know, I'm not knocking or trying to make light of the things you dealt with, but I think you're a really special kid. Yeah. And by no means do I think you have a learning disability, right? So one thing I, I see a lot is there's these people that are special like yourself and they're told, Hey, you have a, you have a problem. Yeah. You have ADHD or whatever. And it's like, why is it a prop? Like, just cause I can't sit in a classroom exactly. doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It means I'm different than you. Right. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of times we just late, you know, you're kind of like labeling kids and putting them in classes and, yeah. and, um, trying to just generalize things, which like, you know, someone like yourself, you could, if you didn't have someone like that individual in your life to really guide it, you could have gone on a totally different path. Dude, I could have been, I don't, I have no idea what path I'd be on. 
because like honestly what what happens when you have a kid almost backed into a corner just being completely obliterated each day called all these names and stuff like that what is a kid's instinct most of the time they're going to fight back and that's what it was getting to you know i was just like i can't take this anymore so i started getting in stuff with kids and getting in these arguments getting in these fights and stuff like that and it's like i think about that now like even even i think about if i had a child right now and if they were going through that you probably don't think that those little arguments or those little fights or like you know bobby got a bloody nose like that little stuff you don't think that that could turn into something massive until it continues to snowball right and and same same with depression like until that depression it might be a little bit of depression they might be a little sad they might be a little down but if you don't find a way to nip that at an early age and at an early stage it's going to continue to snowball and so like you're exactly right man and that's something that like nowadays is why i have such a big passion in helping people because it's like I look at all the pivotal points in my life so far, my short life, I'm 22 years old. I haven't had a bunch of that. I look at all the pivotal points in my life where I have made just leaps, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? In, in my maturity and in my success, all of those were because I meant, I, I met different mentors. Mm-hmm. And so I will always be the first one all the time to say mentors are some of the most important things that you can find in life. And I will also be one of some of the first people to say is, that could be your parents, but that also means you might need somebody else other than your parents because your parents can only do so much. And I want to be the same way when I have kids, if I'm blessed one day enough to have kids and, and hopefully I do, I'm about to marry this beautiful girl and we're, we're going to try to have a family shortly after. I think about this all the time. I'm like, I will be, when my kids are old enough, I will strive to try to find them mentors other than just myself. Obviously I'm going to try to be a mentor in their life. And I hope I can you know, be someone that they can look up to in life one day, but it's like, you need somebody outside of just be just your parents that can say, dude, you got to do this and not this, Mm -hmm. or don't listen to that. Listen to this because it's, you know how it is. Parents just sometimes don't say certain things or they don't want to say certain things because they feel like it can, it can do something to your kid. And then also there's some things that they don't want to say because they're scared if they say it, it's going yeah. to be taken the wrong way. And then their kid's going to be like, oh, I don't have to go to college. And then they're doing drugs on the side of the road when they're 30 and like, you know, right. home. Right. So like, right. there's a lot of things, but I, I'm a huge advocate for mentors. I find mentors all the time. I call, I talk to people all the time. When we, you and I first met, I had no idea what I was jumping into. I was like, oh, cool. You know, our, our mutual friend contacted me and was like, hey, there's a bunch of successful people that I want to introduce you to. And they're, they're really cool people and yada, yada, yada. Boom. I'm there. Anytime somebody says there, I'm there. Anytime somebody wants to talk, I'm there just because I love to talk to people because you never know who you're going to meet and you never know who you're going to learn. I just talked to a 12 year old the other day, dude. I literally learned three things. I'm like, <laughs> he's teaching me something. And I'm like, I thought I was new and hip because of the industry. Right, right, right. The average age is like 50 something, 56 <laughs> something crazy. And this 12 year old shows me this thing about TikTok. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, TikTok. I'm like, yeah, I know what TikTok is. I'm not like old. Right. And then he starts teaching me this whole different way of how we can do an advertisement on TikTok. And I'm like, this 12 year old just created a new marketing tunnel for my company. So that's awesome. If but you're like- out there listening to this right now, rewind that and re-listen to everything Dominic just said about mentorship because yeah. You really need to get this through your head. It's so big. I'm experiencing it a little bit later than Dominic did. Just how impactful it is getting around the right people, getting around people that are actually doing the things you want to do. And to his point, it's not that 
you know, your parents don't love you and want to yeah. give you good advice. But if your parents aren't doing and living how you want to live, then you need to go find people that are actually doing the things you want to do and have the relationships that you want to have and the types of marriages you want to have. And I, I heard a great quote the other day about this topic. It was, you know, your parents might love you. They'll say something to you like, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, maybe that seems like good advice, but it, it's kind of a broke mindset because yeah. I'd rather choke on greatness than nibble on mediocrity. Exactly. And, you know, perfection is a fear-based belief system you know, thinking we, we can take on too much and, oh, okay, if we drop the ball here or there. And I was like this, man, as an engineer, because we engineers, we can't mess up, right? We're, we design something wrong, like people die. So you're kind of yeah. like trained to not screw up and, oh, you got to do it perfect and, mm -hmm. and do your design or whatever. But man, you, you nailed it. Getting around the right people that are actually doing what you want to do is, is so huge, like so yeah. huge, dude. Yeah. And the thing also about that, like back to the parent thing, it's not a bad thing, right? Your parents are no lesser. If your parents, for example, your parents are in the pharmaceutical industry and the teaching industry, like they're no lesser because they're living their dreams. And you're like, Oh, I want to do real estate and make a gazillion dollars just because that's not their dream. Doesn't mean that you're wrong for having that dream. And your parents, if they're a good support system, shouldn't be blaming you for having that dream. They should be patting you on the back and say, go for it. You want know I to mean like, and if they don't, it's probably because they're scared that you're going to, you're going to do exactly what you just said, which is bite off more than you can chew kind of a thing. I'll tell you what, I'm glad that my parents shared that concern because it was kind of like, because when I started my company, I told him, I went to my mom and dad, I said this and that my dad was supportive. He said, you can do it, but Dom, just be careful. I've been in business before. If you do the wrong things, you don't connect with the wrong people. You can get screwed. It's true. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows that you're an entrepreneur. It's so true. That was his piece of advice. And then my mom, of course, she's mama bear. She said, just please be careful and please don't screw yourself and get into a bunch of debt, yada, yada, yada. I don't remember exactly what she said, but both of those things, I didn't take negatively. I didn't go back home and say, oh my God, they don't want me to do this. They don't want that. I said, well, it's nice that they shared their concerns. I'm going to go after this thing and I'm not going to fail because I refuse to fail. And so like, was there times I was in debt? Dude, I was broke. I was broke, broke, broke. When I started that business, when I say broke, I was like $27,000 in debt. I remember this, $27,000 in debt. And sometimes this makes me, this gives me goosebumps because like, so 27K in debt, I literally was buying either the dollar nine, I think they're a dollar 16 or something like that. Chicken, chicken nuggets from, from uh, Burger King. <laughs> I would make that last all day. That would be my meal for the day. Or I would buy, if I had $5, I'd buy a little Caesar's pizza and make it last. Like with my roommate, who's still my best friend on this day, make it last for like two to three days. And like, that's how broke I was. I was taking cans back. I was doing stuff like that, but I was still waking up at 6 a.m. every morning, getting in the office by 7 a.m. Sometimes I was waking up at 5 a.m., getting in the office by 6 a.m., depending on my workload. And I wasn't leaving that office until 7, 8 p.m. And then after I got home, I was researching and doing what I had to do to try to figure out what I had to do. I was working my tail off. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when I think about that, I'm just like, 
it's part of the seasons, dude. I call them seasons of business, man. It's like you start a business, no matter what, you're going to have some tough seasons. I don't care if you start a business. I just started, we just officially launched another business last week and it's our management company, our rental property management company. And I have a guy that I brought into it that's going to spearhead this company for me. And we gave him some equity share and stuff like that. And I'm like having a lot of fun this, this last week, which sounds insane. And I, I know I'm, I'm going down a different lane here. So just bear with me and keep track of, of, of time if I'm going too far or whatever, but You're good, man, we love it. Keep going. Right. So I'll talk this, keep in mind, this is a great friend of mine, a great friend of mine. And I was warned. I w- they were like, well, don't make sure you don't mix friendship with, with business and stuff like that. And I have a different mindset than that. I don't look at these contracts, these legal contracts between business owners as legal contracts. I look them as what I call friendship savers because I don't go into business with anybody unless I think, and I know they're a phenomenal human being and somebody that I could be friends with for the rest of my life. So I'm going in business with this guy and this last week. It's been kind of funny because like we're starting this business very, very, with very minimal investment on purpose for a couple of different reasons. And he's stressed out about a few different things because we're having the growing pains, right. Of a new business. It's we're at the beginning, the very beginning stage and stuff like that. And we've had probably five or six talks of me just having to continue to reiterate him and stuff like that. And so I've got another business partner that's like all stressed out about it and stuff like that. And just man, like, what are we going to do? Is, is this going to, is he going to quit? Is this what's going on? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, calm down. It's all good, man. Well, why aren't you stressed, Dom? And I'm like, I'm not stressed because this is a part of the game. If he's not feeling these growing pains and we're not doing something right, like it shouldn't be that easy to start a business. I don't have a billion dollars to start this business and it can be up and running like that. And I hire 40 staff, like some of these companies, you know, we're starting this with very minimal funds on purpose. And so I just always try to be the, the good energy of, of the room kind of a thing. And I continue to just try to like, I'm like I said, man, I'm having fun. Like I've had some very serious conversations with this individual and we've gotten very personal. I've gotten, you know, deep into some topics with him and like completely just tried to rebuild him several times just within the last couple of weeks, because it's, it's stressful as heck. And I'm having a blast doing it, man. I'm just like, this is what it's about. It's mm-hmm. about helping people see the bigger picture, you know, cause if you focus on the small picture all the time, sometimes that small picture can be really, really tough. I've had a very, very tough year so far, dude. Like I've had a lot of, we've had a lot of family issues. Uh, I almost lost my dad this year. Like I've got a grandmother that is probably the only grandmother I'm, I'm close with that's passing as we speak. Like I've had a tough year. And the only thing that's kept me grounded through that all is just being the constant good energy in the room mm-hmm. and striving for that. And embracing the suck, I always say. I always say you got to embrace the suck. And what that means, and people are like, what does that even mean? I'm like, when it gets tough, the saying, when you're going through hell, keep on going. That's a great song if you listen to country. It's one of my favorite songs because it's like, why would you stop? Why would you let it stop you? Why would I sit at home, cry, and say, all this happened to me? This is the toughest year right after COVID. I've had this almost, you know, I'm not going to. I'm going to take the punches. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep being positive. I'm going to keep bringing people up. If somebody comes in my office and they're bawling their eyes up because they're having a tough time with starting this business and they, they're way overwhelmed because they have 45 things to do in 24 hours, mm-hmm. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to drop what I have to do that day. and I'm going to build them up and I'm going to get them back on track because 
you got to see the bigger picture. Small picture, like I said, if you focus on the small picture and it's in a tough season of your life, you're going to be very, very depressed and you're going to let it beat you. If you continue to focus on the big picture and remind yourself of the big picture every day, sometimes five, six, seven times a day, if you need it, you're going to stay on track. And so that's just what I, I kind of do. And I, I don't know, it's, it's helped me so far and it keeps me light-minded and I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I'll, I'll admit, you know, three weeks ago, I did take a day to myself where I was just like, I gotta, I gotta slow down a little bit yeah. and regroup myself. You know what I did? And that whole day, what I did is I wrote my goals a bunch. I wrote what I was thankful for. I wrote what I was grateful for. I keep this planner. Um, and this is something that I suggest to anybody. If you're working at a high level, which, and what I mean by working at a high level, working at a high level means like taking advantage of your time completely. Um, I break everything down by 15 minutes and sometimes by the minute. And so it just gets, it allows me to accomplish more in a day, point blank. Right. Uh, I made this thing and I, I give it up to all of our agents, to all of our employees. It's called the productivity planner. And you write your goals twice a day. You write a quote of the day you write your tasks for the day and you write your scheduled appointments for the day. Mm -hmm. And so basically what that is, is it's like when you wake up in the morning and you write your goals, it gives you a little spark of energy. You know what you got to do today to accomplish those goals. At the end of the day, when you wrap up your day, you make sure all your tasks are crossed off that you need to do your appointments. Hopefully we're all completed or whatever, whatever. And then you write your goals again, just to kind of close the day out. And I figured you write your goals once in, once in the morning, you write them once in the afternoon, that's twice a day, two times, two times seven that's 14 14 times however many weeks there are in a year man you're writing your goal so um i always just i try to just be the positive light that that's what it comes down to that's awesome dominic man for you listeners if you're listening out there and you're not following dominic already you got to go follow this guy at underscore dominic lee underscore on instagram that's d-o-m-i-n-i-c-l-e-e find him on facebook at dominic lee realtor or uh at real estate redesigned inc and real estate redesigned inc.com is the website you gotta go follow him man i'm learning a lot dominic this is really fun man i want to touch on something that you said way earlier and i keep like hearing these threads about embracing the suck about you know going through the different seasons of business and the hard times in business do you think all that criticism you faced as a young kid kind of thickened your skin and prepared you to deal with some of the suck later in life. And then like when you were older, like in your 14 year old age where you're like, you know, reading all these books and you, you know, you weren't doing great in school, but you were like interested in other stuff. You know, I'm sure as you went through those years, you faced criticism, you know, maybe even as you were starting your business, you probably faced some criticism or, or hate or whatever. Like how did you deal with that mentally um, going through that criticism? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you do better than, than other times, honestly. So it's like during, I wish I had, so to answer your question, yes, that all helps. It's like when you work out, when you work out, you get calluses on your hands, right? If you lift weights enough and you know, you get these small calluses on your hands. I say that you get a callus on your mind and every tough thing that happens in life, whether you're religious, some people say God will test you. Um, and it will build your mental state. It'll build, it'll callous your brain. It'll callous your mental toughness. I always say, so all those instances, I'm always so thankful for. I say that all the time. I'm so thankful that I was bullied. 
And somebody said, like, I was in, I was in a lunch one day and I'm going to tell a short story because it, it was a story that, that I always think back to because it changed kind of my perspective. In the short term, when I was getting bullied, it had a lot of anger. You know, I wanted to beat those kids down. I wanted, you know, just, just bad things. Naturally, my emotions had a lot of anger. Um, even in high school, my emotions had a lot of anger. I wasn't bullied as much because I was always, you know, an athlete and stuff like that, but I was bullied in different ways. And, uh, and I was even bullied by teachers. I had a couple of teachers that, man, they just said the, the absolute worst things. I had one teacher that told me I'd never amount to anything. Wow. Funniest part about that. I had to leave the room. I was so upset. The funniest part about that, that next month, for some reason, I won student of the month in the whole district. And I had no idea why. I'm like, what? I want to stay in a month. Like, what is going on? And I want to, I want to give you a background about my, my school, to be honest, real quick. I come from a very preppy town, Oakness. It's considered the best school district in the Lansing area and one of the best in the state and in the country. Mm -hmm. Let that be good or bad. If you didn't go to a four-year university at my school, you were an outlier and you were a low life. And so I was told that I was so upset. I left my room, I left class. I was, I couldn't handle it. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that could get me in a lot of trouble. I got to leave. Like I can't, that was, it tore me apart. Next That's month. Crazy. I, that teacher would say that to you, man. Good grief. I, dude. I, it didn't make sense to me. And so I was like, what in the world? So the next month I went student of the month and they said, you can elect one teacher to come and speak in behalf of, uh, of you and, uh, tell, tell all the good things. And so I called that teacher that said that. And so that teacher came and her and I had a conversation before and, uh, whatever. And there were some apologies and, you know, yada, 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 and stuff like that. But I was still nervous as heck because I'm like, why did I ask this teacher to come speak about me? I had no idea. I thought it'd be funny because here I am. I want student of the month. And she just told me some mean things to me. (laughs) She goes up on the stage in front of this this group of people and yada, yada, yada. And she said some of the greatest things about me that I'm like, it kind of set me back a little bit. You know what I mean? And it kind of wasn't at an early stage. It gave me motivation because I always, I've, that's always stuck in my head that she says she, I would never amount to, I would never amount to anything, but it also impressed me because even though she, we had that beef, you know, a month prior and she came in and we talked things through and she kind of apologized and it wasn't real, even real apology. It was more like a, well, you misinterpreted it or something like that. And I know I didn't because I remember it clear as day. It was in front of the whole class. Um, she still was able to go up and say the greatest things about me. And so what that taught me is that taught me to kind of forgive a little bit. And so I was able to forgive. I forgave her for that because she went and said some great things about me, whether she believed them or not. Maybe she was just talking. Right. But, right. You know. So I tell that story because I sitting at back to the lunch conversation. I'm sitting at lunch with a guy I'm networking with. He actually went to the same high school, just graduated many years before me. And he goes, dude, don't you just want to be so filthy rich that you have some of those kids that bullied you come to try to apply for your 
business and then you can just laugh in their face and turn the application down. Dude, for some reason, I don't know what it was. My first initial thought, and I always thought this as a kid, I always said, I'm going to own businesses and I'm never going to hire these kids. I'm never going to do this. Before I could even think about it, I said, no, I would never do that. And he was like, what? And I was like, I would never do that. And he's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, yeah, man, I just, I would probably interview them just like anybody else. And I would probably tell them in the interview that I forgave them, that I appreciate, I appreciate them growing my mental toughness and helping me get through that. Mm -hmm. And um, I would give them an honest try. And what's hilarious about that is, so that conversation happened my first year in the real estate before I technically owned my own team and yada, yada, yada. Fast forward to now I've got, I've had two people that used to bully me interview for a company um, so far. And we've got a, we've got, yeah, we have an admin that um, was friends with one of the kids that used to bully me. And so like, wow. no, it was just like, it was a natural thing that I responded to when that conversation came up in at lunch. And it was a natural forgiveness that came out of me that I didn't even know at the time I had. Wow. And so yeah. I will. And so to back to the main topic is, is like, yes, that stuff really helped me. It calloused me. It has continued to make me tougher. It's continued to make me able to handle things. Um, but it's a lot of work, dude. It is a lot of work. There was very, very low points in my life, even through high school, where I was just like, is this what life is? Because if this is what life is, like, why do why does everybody talk it up so much? You know what I mean? Like, this is right. crazy. Like, um, and so I always just I always am so thankful for those situations, for those teachers, for those students, for those moments. Another thing that happened in my life, dude, is like before I discovered business and I discovered real estate, football was my life. Mm -hmm. That was my thing. Just like most, most kids, when they find a sport, they really like, right. And I put everything into it. I played all year round. If I wasn't playing in season, I was training or I was going to these camps or I was doing this. And then I had a career ending injury. I destroyed my right leg during a scrimmage. And football was taken away from me. That was freshman or sophomore year. Sorry. Going into sophomore year, I think. And I was like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I only went to school so I could play football. You know what I mean? Right, like right, that was right. me. I literally would go to school to play football. Right. <laughs> and I was just squeaking by this much. <laughs> and I was like, well, my life is over. I don't know what to do. Yada, yada, yada. And you know, I say that that gave me some mental toughness skills too, because then now it's like, if I have anything, if I have a deal that doesn't work out, I'm just like, Oh, all right. On to the next, you know, right. that's, I always say one of my favorite four letter words is next. And because it is, you know what I mean? Somebody doesn't want to work for you or they find a different passion. Cool. Next. You know what I mean? Like this client just cussed me out and is mad at the world and doesn't want to work with us and waste a bunch of my time. Cool. Next. You know what I mean? Like that's what I always do. So it sounds like Dominic, you, you have kind of a soft heart and I say that as a compliment and yeah. I say it kind of in the perspective I've, I've heard, uh, I don't know if you listen to Jordan Peterson at all, but I like a lot of Jordan Peterson stuff. Jordan um, Peterson. Kind of, you should check him out. But he, yeah. uh, he talks about the best men are dangerous men, but they know how to control it. Yeah. They know how to keep themselves under control. Um, but they're not weak. Right. And, and you sound like a strong, you know, a strong guy, 
but you've got kind of this forgiveness and softness to you that I think kind of speaks to what Jordan's talking about. I'm just curious, like, where do you think that comes from? It comes from, dude, I, I don't even know if I can answer that. Like, I don't know where it's come from and that's exactly right. And I wish, and recently the, the girl I'm about to marry has made that come out so much more since I've known her, uh, which has been a couple of years now. Cause I used to be that way. I've always been that way my whole life, but like recently in the last couple of years, it's really come out even more. And I don't know what I can give credit to of, of causing that to be honest, but I think it's always, I think it's just been a collection of like me working on it for many, many years. Cause I also like during those times where I was kind of getting bullied and I was getting called names and stuff like that, it caused a little bit of anger almost. I would say I mm -hmm. kind of touched on that earlier. I wouldn't say I had anger issues. I wouldn't say that I was whatever. I was just a very, I would say, depressed kid mm -hmm. that couldn't catch a break uh, and that just had way too much energy that I wasn't using in the right way. You How did I mean? you respond to that anger back then? Like, or, or, like what, what was your reaction to those guys? Did you get quiet and just kind of like ignore it? Did you fight them back? Like what? So, dude, the collection. Sometimes I would, I would, uh, I would just get quiet, walk away, or and then a few times I would fight him, like, and just say, you know what, I'm done with this. Uh, this is enough. And, mm -hmm. um, or I would take it out at football and I would just pound kids. Like, I would get in trouble at football practice because, like, I would take a kid out and then just start wailing on him that was bullying me earlier that day. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, why did you just do that? And I'm like, well, did you hear what he said to me earlier? And so, like, um, oh, that's football was great. Dude, it was fun. <laughs> what positions did you play in football? I was a running back and linebacker. So I nice, used to dude. have a lot of fun. Yeah. Man, we played the same position, dude. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Running back and linebacker. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. So that's I would, cool, dude. I would just, you know, I would, I would do that. But I, to answer your first question, I would just think it's a collection of like, I don't know, man. I just feel like if you don't forgive something or just say whatever, you know what I mean? It is what it is. That's another one of my favorite things. It's like, yeah. if I can't control it, I can't control what Billy Bob said to me. You know what I mean? If he thinks I'm a stupid fat head, he thinks I'm a stupid fat head. Like, whatever. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll cut my hair differently if that makes you happy. I don't know. Like, I just think it's a collection of that type of stuff that I'm just like, if I don't forgive them, what's the alternative? That's what right. I always say. What's the alternative, man? Are you not going to forgive this person? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't, or at least get past it. What's the mm -hmm. alternative? I'm not going to have that grudge on my shoulder for the rest of my life or even a week or even. I got another mentor in my life that says that same thing. You know, you always got to be asking, what's your next best alternative? Exactly. That's great advice, man. Yeah, exactly. Great advice. So where'd you work as a kid? You mentioned you, you worked since you were like 14 or whatever. Yeah. What, what jobs did you have? So I used to have, I worked at my first job ever. I was a cart boy at a grocery store and I would nice. pass those groceries. There was a little small town grocery store in Okemos. Nice. And uh, I would, you know, package people's groceries and bag them and yada, 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 take the cans out, pick up the carts. Um, and then I worked a couple of retail jobs and then I somehow was able to talk my dad into letting me, letting me use his lawnmower. And then I, you know, walked around some of the neighborhoods 
when I turned 16, I got a pickup truck and I was so hyped because literally this is the reason why I was happy. I was like, yes, I can fit the lawnmower in the back there and I can start mowing people's <laughs> lawns in the neighborhood next door. Wow. That's awesome. like, what? And he was like, that's my lawnmower. You didn't even ask. And I was like, oh yeah, can I uh, use your lawnmower? <laughs> and so I had like probably like six, seven, eight people's lawns that I would just mow. And then I worked three or four jobs, two, three, four jobs at a time. Um, and they're usually all just retail or just stuff like that, man. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah. You told me a story the first time we met and it, it really like is a perfect example. You know, we touched on, you know, perfection being all about fear and it sounds like you're not afraid to fail. You know, you're not afraid to try new things and put yourself out there. You told yeah. me a story about flying to Florida to meet uncle G you remember this story? I think the audience would like to hear this story because I got a kick out of it. You mind telling it for everybody? Remind me of what it was again. Was it because there's two? There's a couple locations with that with that guy. Um, the one where he flew you back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one you told me. That was for the ambassador program. Yeah, yeah. that was that was sick. So I cold called Grant Cardone. Um, I. I told you, I, I think, did I mention him earlier in this podcast? So Grant Cardone is a guy that kind of, I would say he was one of like the founders of like the online sales training. You know yeah. what I mean? So like he, he, he was one of those first original guys on YouTube. Definitely well known for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like he did sales training and then it became, and then he also did a lot of real estate stuff. And so I caught on to it quickly because he's, he's been on YouTube forever, like for so many years. And, um, when I was 14 at the time, that was one of some of the videos I'd watch and stuff like that. And then when I got into the real estate industry, I literally would, um, just cold call them any number I could find, like literally any number I could find online. They're all fake. And half of them were like user busy and just stuff like that. I just cold called, cold called, cold called, would get an admin, would get an assistant, would get a sales rep, yada, 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 yada. And finally, after a certain amount of them. Uh, I get this call. I'm sitting in the office randomly and he goes, is this Dominic? I was like, uh, yeah, this is Dominic Lee. What's up? And he's like, this is Greg Cardone. How you doing, man? And I was like, you know how he talks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, I knew this was him. I recognized yeah. his voice. I was like, holy cow. So I ran out of the office and I was like, went in the hallway so I could hear everything and blah, blah, blah. He gave me, he's like, I got this amount of time and I can't remember the, the exact time right now, but it was short, short, short period of time. He's like, what's going on? And you've been calling everybody and my brother to try to try to get a hold. <laughs> and so I started drilling him with questions, drilling them like, like at the time, he couldn't even get his own answer out, right? Whatever. And then he was like, um, I've got this program. He does these conferences they're like the 10, they're 10 X conferences or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got this program and I want to bring you out. And I was like, all right, so what's that entail kind of a thing. And so he got me out there. I'm telling the right story, right? Are we talking about the time when I was out there and I was cold calling them trying to get a hold of them because I was in town. I don't remember which one you told me. I just remember you met the guy and yeah. like after you, after you called him a bazillion times, you finally met him. Yeah. And he gave you some time. And then I think he flew you back or something. Yeah. So, no, he flew me out there for the 10X Growth Conference. 
and it was the um, the ambassador program or whatever. And I had to get all the money to do it because all I had to pay for was basically the, was basically the the hotel room. Yeah. Kind of yeah. And so uh, I was out there and it was a sweet experience. Got to meet the guy, gave him, you know, asked him a bunch of questions. And then that was a crazy, crazy event. If you've never been to the 10 X conference, you should go. Cause it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and he does them, I think every year, I think he even did one during COVID, but it was online because right. the guy right. is a marketing genius. And um, it was insane, man. He gave all kinds of tidbits of advice. Obviously, he's just one of those individuals that you meet and you want to use up every second of the time that you have with them because they're just a wealth of knowledge. And not only that, and, you know, I'll use, I'll use um, kind of him as an example of people you should, you should take advantage of and try to get in contact with. Because they're people that you look at and you think they're alien, right? They're so wealthy. They, they're on top of the world. He's got a helicopter. He's got a jet. He's got, you know, $2.4 billion worth of real estate or whatever the number is. Right. People are like, like nervous about those people. They're like, well, they would never talk to me. They would never do anything like that. If there's any piece of advice I could give, um, I would say... If you want to try to talk to that person, try. Like, actually try. Mm -hmm. Because half of the time, they might be irritated in the moment. You know, like, what the heck is going on? Why is this person trying to bother me? I got a busy schedule, yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Just like anybody might. But if they are true to what they say, and like Grant Cardone talks about how he loves to help people all the time. If they're true to what they say, they're going to give you a little bit of credit. And mm-hmm. probably probably give you a little bit of respect because you were so relentless trying to talk to him. Right. You know what I'm saying? And Heck so, yeah, man, I think that's great advice. You know, I got a mentor. He he's all about leading the hungry, not dragging the lazy. Right. So yeah, you know, if you show like you did, like you blew him up and blew him up and called everybody to the point where you got on his radar, right? Like the first ten calls or whatever, you he probably didn't even hear about it. But it's twenty two. When his people are like. Yeah, his people are like, dude, this dude is called like 20 times, like looking for you. You know, probably just told him as a joke, and he's probably like, Well, shoot, let me talk to him. You know, yeah, exactly. like, I could just see Grant just being like, Yeah, I want to talk to him, get him on the phone. Yeah, you know, let's see what he wants. So, so he'll stop calling. But man, I think that's amazing advice. And you know, I value your time, man. I know you got a lot going on, busy guy. What uh we got one minute left. What's one What's one nugget other than the one you just gave that you want to leave the GLE network with and anybody else who finds this show later down the road? Oh man, just don't be afraid to do anything. Don't be afraid to do anything and just work your tail off. That's what I can say. It is said so many times. It's on so many billboards. It's on so many different social medias and motivational quotes, dude. But I can like, until you can figure out the working hard thing, things will just be more difficult in life mm-hmm. because the fact of the matter is it's like everybody has to work hard no matter what they do right. like they really do and i had some this is a this is a funny part somebody said well what if you win a lottery and i said yeah that's a good point that's a lot of luck like i if i won the mega millions or whatever and woke up one morning and i had 600 million dollars in my pocket i'd be pretty sick but the thing that they don't know is how hard it is to 
keep that money. Like, <laughs> like you got to work hard after that to keep that money. That's why 90 something percent of all lottery winners go broke and bankrupt within 10 years. You know, man, that like, it's just yeah. anything you want to achieve in life, dude, there's no way around it. There's no ifs, ands or buts. You're going to have to work hard. So start working hard. Like that is what it comes down to do the things that suck. If you hate, you think anybody likes cold calling? Come on. Nobody likes cold calling. Nobody likes door knocking. Nobody loves like, nobody likes that stuff. But if you want to be successful and that's what you got to do to be successful in your, in your career, then do it. Just suck it up, do it. And I, you know, I used to make a game out of it and I do this all the time. And I teach my agents now, if you are doing something that you absolutely hate, try to make it fun. Yeah. Make it a game. I made cold calling a game where I literally was like, this is resulting in a business. I absolutely hate it. I want to scream every time I do it. And I was like, I'm going to make this a game. I made it a game. So I made it to the point where every no that I got, I found out I made $104. I, I did the math. I was like, what did I make this year? How many calls did I make? Because I keep track of how many dials and how many conversations those turn yeah. into, yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. Tip advice, track your numbers. Yes. Um, so I made it a game. I was like, I make $104 for every no I get. This is amazing. And then when I had to cold call, I'd have two hours set aside to cold call or do whatever. Every time I'd get a no or told F you or told whatever, I was like, sweet. $104. Click. That's awesome, dude. Well, another person. You know what I mean? So just do Great mindset, thing. dude embrace the suck that's all y'all you listeners out there you heard it straight from dominic's mouth man so many good nuggets in this episode dominic thank you for coming on y'all better go find and follow dominic uh is the website you can find him on instagram at underscore dominic lee underscore or on facebook at dominic lee realtor dominic man great having you on dude appreciate it as always all right y'all go lead everything if you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more it has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at gle thank you for your support you are the reason we do what we do see you next time go lead.